Thanks, Amanda. Thank you, team. Thank you, William. Well, good morning, church. How are you? Man, I am glad that you are here today. Uh, hey, as those baskets are being passed, I uh, want to give you a quick update on Give United. Uh, we are in the midst of our Give United month, uh, where we say, listen, we want to reach our monthly budget, and then on everything we bring in on top of that, we want to shower out on a bunch of local area ministries and charities. And look, we are well on our way. Go to the next slide there. Uh, we go with an update. Uh, we've uh, received $164,000 this month towards our monthly budget of two thirty four. dollars which what that means is if we had a, have a very solid week this this week, which is possible, that leaves us two more Sundays where everything we bring in, we then can pour back out on the community. So thank you for your generosity, for your faithfulness. Uh, we're challenging everybody to bring in that full 10% for one month. I'm going to show you just how generous we can be. Uh, but we also want to be introducing you to a, a lot of our mission partners. And this morning, uh, we're excited to talk to you about one of those. Uh, when we started Give United, uh, one of the points was to say, hey, not only to be able to be generous, we want to shower money out on these organizations. We really also wanted to raise some awareness. Uh, and we've had some success stories over the years with Give United partners with people we didn't really know at first but became very dear to us where we actually began to send a lot of volunteers out which has created a lot of very strong partnerships. And one of those is one I want to reintroduce you today and that's Bundles of Hope. Uh, and today we have Jennifer Gray who's the executive director. Uh, so if you would go ahead and come on up here uh, with me. Would you all welcome Lindsay to the stage? Uh, Uh, we've been partnering uh, with Bundles Hope for a few years now, uh, and we're actually new friends. We actually have not met uh, until today, but we have so many of our folks uh, who work with Bundles of Hope, uh, but there's a lot of folks here who don't know what that is. And so can you tell us a little bit just about what it is and what you guys do? You can't see. It should be on. Let's see. Is it on? Yeah, there you go. It is on. <laughs> you can't see the diaper in that logo very well, but we are a diaper bank. So we care for the community by meeting basic essential monthly needs of families. One in two families in Alabama struggle to afford essentials, just the basics. And so we've kind of, we are hyper-focused and we say we can't take all the stressors out of life, um, but we can certainly support families with just the bare basics. Yeah. So, so what do you guys do as far as providing? Because I know a lot of our folks, they, they come, they, I guess you guys gather uh, diapers, uh, you bundle them, you send them out. Tell me a little bit about just the operation of what you guys do. So we are a logistics machine. We have distributed 5 million diapers so far. Um, and we do that through direct service. We have a facility downtown. Um, and then we also partner with 70 organizations. So I think the beauty of the Give United Double Oak support, um, when you support bundles, you really support 70 other organizations as well um, because they place monthly requests and we're able to couple um, just care in the community, whether that's a church food pantry, a women's center, children's hospital, uh, where families, women and children are going to get that kind of service. We can also put the diapers right in their line so they're not having to go to a separate location to, to obtain those necessities. That's awesome. Yeah. So now I know we've got a lot of our folks uh, who work with Bundles of Hope. Uh, we send different folks and a lot of you guys, I, I see your faces where we say, hey, every week we're, we're going down to help bundle them. Also to write notes uh, that go into these bundles, kind of encouraging them in their faith and pointing them towards Jesus Christ. If, if po folks here are just hearing about you for the first time and they want to get involved, what can they do? 
We can plug you in in any way you want to be plugged in. We are very, very strategic in that manner. Um, if you want to do something from home, you can write cards from home. Those blessings mean sometimes more to families than the diapers they receive, right? It's a handwritten note card. We're serving thousands of families. So our um, blessing army, where is Carol? Carol is heading that up. There she is. Where's Carol Dodson? Um, Carol so, Dodson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is so incredibly special. Mothers have told us that they tuck those um, um, in their visors, in their cars. They put them on their fridge. They're different every month, so we make sure we're, we're encouraging them with um, something every month. So super easy to do. I know handwriting is kind of a lost art. Um, so if you want to get engaged in that, that's something remote that you can do. We also need hands and feet down at our facility. It is downtown. Um, we have weekday opportunities, weekend opportunities. I told you we can plug you in anywhere. So um, yes, please come join us in whatever manner you want to give. Everybody in this room has something to give. You may not know it right now, or you may not know what that looks like, but I assure you, you do, and um, Bundles would truly be blessed if um, you shared that with us. And uh, you guys are expanding, correct? Because this has been working well for the past couple of years. You might say, I know you do the bus thing on 280. I see that a lot. We, see, we are the bus people on 280. Right, yeah. We get that all the time. Are you the crazy ladies with a bus on 280? That is us. Good. That is us. So you can put that together now. So um, all of you are going to see us driving down 280, I'm confident. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but y'all are expanding, yes? We are expanding. 20, what, 20, 22,000 square feet that we are going to be taking over. The facility we moved into downtown had four units. We took over two immediately knowing there was a pop potential um, for growth. We're the sixth most impoverished state in our country. The need is enormous. I think Jesus spoke of serving the impoverished often. He did that, right? He showed us with his actions. So we have to do better in our state. I hate going to national conferences and being the red, you know, that lights up on um, that national statistic. Um, so we've got to do better. we got to do better. And um, that's what we're, we're trying to accomplish. Uh, so yeah, 22,000 square feet. He said, how do you feel about it? I said, I feel kind of nervous about that. Um, but I was nervous when we moved into our facility. We were in shared space. We haven't, we haven't fallen on our face yet. He, um, he, he knows more than we know, and we're trusting in that. And um, just showing up every day. A lot of times families just want you to show up for them, right? Um, so we do that day after day, week after week, month after month, and that makes an impact. It really does. Yeah. Uh, well, look, we got an email from you a couple weeks ago kind of asking about, okay, what, what would be an appropriate ask, knowing that you're going to be expanding and doing that? Uh, the max ask is $5,000 uh, for, for Give United. Yeah. Uh, so we, we had already planned on doing this before we got your email, but we're actually not going to do the $5,000. We want to give you $15,000 and just give it to you today. And so that's for Bundles of Hope to do kind of what you do, because we believe in what y'all are doing. So thank you. Good. Can I say one thing? You can say one thing. Can I say one thing? You can he say told me to be brief. Um, <laughs> during COVID, we didn't close a single day. When that happened, it was very scary. We didn't know how we were going to make ends meet. We didn't know what was going on. Not to mention the need was increased. Supply demand was decreased, right? I mean, we had folks in the community calling us saying, Lindsay, I can't find, I can afford diapers. I can't find them on the shelves. Um, it was insane. Double Oak was the only church that reached out to us without being asked. Um, and for me, you guys, as a leader of an organization in doing this, I kind of, I, it's kind of backfired a little bit um, because it, um, any fear that we have when we want to go to that next level, I think, well, God showed up through Double Oak and he'll show up again. 
and I don't know what that looks like. Um, I don't know how many people knew that story in the room because I talk about it a lot. Um, so I, I don't mean to be repetitive, but as far as, you know, it's so interesting too in Scripture, that Hebrew Scripture talks about the endurance of the race. Um, you guys help us to have that endurance to show up for these families. Thank you so much. Praise Thank Jesus you for your for generosity. That. Thank you. Amen. I want to pray for you if that's okay. Can we do that? Yeah. <laughs> We want to pray for Jennifer and her entire organization. So join with me in prayer, if you will. Heavenly Father, um, we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. To be your hands and feet as you've taught us. And so, Father, we're grateful uh, that you involve us in your work. We want to lift up bundles of hope. Uh, God, I, I would pray that you would actually answer this prayer, that we wouldn't be at the bottom of the list anymore. God, that we would be a part of you just changing the lives of children, mothers, families, all across our area. God, we're so thankful for this opportunity. But I just pray a blessing on Bundles of Hope, their leadership, this new expansion that they're doing, the opportunities that they have. God, protect them, provide for them, equip them. Father, send more people even in this room hearing uh, this today to say, I want to go be a part as well. Uh, Father, of just continuing to be your hands and feet. But we are excited to see what you continue to do. We pray a blessing on this entire organization as they serve people in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. And we all said, amen. 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 Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Amen. All right. Well, grab your Bibles if you will. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25 is where we're going to be this morning. Matthew 25 verse 14. Uh, as we continue our sermon series called Treasure. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. And we're exploring this idea of what is the relationship between our hearts and our money. Uh, Jesus tells us wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So what we've learned so far is that, listen, both those two things affect one another. Our money is going to affect our uh, treasure, our heart, right, of, of where we go and what we do. But our heart also directs that treasure. It directs our money and, and where it goes and what we do with it. And so it's vitally important that we don't ignore this aspect of our life, but they have our eyes wide open to this relationship. And this morning, we're going to look at a different aspect of that relationship in regards to stewardship. Because what the Lord has given to us, He has actually given to us for a reason. He says, I want you to steward well what I have provided for you. I have blessed you generously. How are you now using what I have given to you? And this is true for us as individuals, and it's true for us as a congregation. Well, really wants to be thinking today about what, how are we stewarding what the Lord has given to us. And so we're going to look at a, a famous parable in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. And before I read the parable, uh, I, I do need to give a little bit of a definition. Uh, this is called the parable of the talents. Uh, and we've looked at this a couple times this year. We actually looked at it a little bit during the uh, Proverbs series this past summer. Uh, but he's going to talk about giving talents away. And in English today, a talent would be an ability, right? It would be a, a, a talent, like a talent show. But in biblical times, a talent was a denomination of money. It was actually a very large denomination of money. So when he talks about handing out talents, he's talking about a very large sum of money. So let's read what Jesus says. Uh, he's talking about the kingdom of God. And here's what he tells us. It says, for it, that's the kingdom of God, for it will be like a man going on a journey. And he called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He would receive the five talents, went at once, and traded with them. And he made five talents more. 
So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had made the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. So you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Well, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Jesus is here at the end of his ministry, and he's giving us this picture. And I'm sure they wrestled with this when they first heard it, but the implications ought to be very clear for us because Jesus very shortly will leave them and go away. But he is promising to return. And so just like this master, he says, I'm going to entrust my servants with my property. I'm going to trust my servants with my kingdom. I am leaving, but I am going to return. And he wants to see what his servants have done with this amazing opportunity. In that sense, this really isn't all that allegorical or even metaphorical or parabolic. He's, he's saying, no, this is something I am actually doing. This is what the kingdom is like. I expect you to be a good steward. And the opportunity that he gives to these servants is incredible, we talked about the, a talent being a denomination of money. People um, disagree as to exactly how much a talent would be worth. A talent technically was a form of weight. So you're probably looking at something around 75 pounds. But 75 pounds of what? Well, it depends whether it's silver or gold. Uh, a talent was supposed to be somewhere around 6,000 denarii. A denarius was a single day's wage, and so a, a single talent would have been anywhere from 13 to 17 years' worth of salary, depending on whether this was silver or gold or a mixture of the two. So this is an astonishing amount of money. You really could put each single talent somewhere in the, uh, in the range of a million dollars today. So he gives to one servant a million dollars, another servant two million dollars, another servant five million dollars. This is an excessive amount of money. This isn't just like an extra 20 bucks or even $10,000. I mean, this is a large amount of money that he's giving to them. And I wonder how you would feel if the Lord did that to you today. If the Lord handed you that kind of opportunity. If he said, hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars, two million dollars, five million dollars, I want to see what you could do with it. What would you do? You might say, well, Adam, that's not going to happen to me. Maybe not. 
Or maybe it's already happening. Because I think, honestly, this is closer to home and to reality than most of us really want to admit. I will go ahead and admit to you, I am not a millionaire. Uh, never been a millionaire. I don't think I'll probably ever be uh, a millionaire. Uh, I grew up solidly middle class, uh, and so all of my friends were solidly middle class. Uh, but we got to thinking one day. I remember I was back in my 20s, uh, and I had, I had a lot of roommates before I got married. And I remember it was, we were in our late 20s, all of us just trying to figure it out. Uh, and one of my roommates had gotten a new job, uh, and he hadn't grown up, uh, he had grown up poor himself. Uh, but he had a new job, and he told me he was going to be making $60,000. And this seemed like a, like a huge sum of money. We were talking about this of just, wow, what, what would that look like? And we, we said, we, this idea of a million dollars came up. He says, well, I'll never, I'll never have a million dollars. I said, well, hang on, do the math. If you're going to be making 60 grand, even if you don't get a raise, in the next 16 years, you will have made a million dollars. In the next 16 years, you actually will have been given a million dollars, and you'll probably have that job longer than 16 years. You'll probably get a couple raises and some bonuses along the way, which means you'll have even more than that. So it's not common in one lump sum, but you actually will, over the course of the next 16 years, dispose of a million dollars. And that was shocking to us because that's not just true for my buddy back in his, tr- in, in his 20s. That's true of everybody in this room because when you look at the stats on Shelby County, Alabama, here's what I found out. The latest stats will tell us this, that the average or the median household income in Shelby County today is $82,000. That's the median. The median income for our county is $82,000, which means every single household on on average over the next 12 years is going to receive a million dollars. In the next 12 years, if you're in that median range, you and I are both going to receive a million dollars. Now, Here's the thing. If you look at the average house price here in the 35242 area code or the house prices that you're looking down here, I'd be willing to bet the many of us in this room are above the median, which means it's not going to take 12 years. It might take 10 or eight or four or less. Where some of you might say, no, Adam, I am a millionaire. I might be a multi-millionaire. Here's the trick. We're all millionaires. All of us. God is entrusting to us an incredible opportunity, maybe not all at once, but he is absolutely entrusting that to us. This is not that far off from reality. And so the Lord has something very specific to say here. The first thing he says here, he says, I expect you to be a steward. Look at verse 14 and notice what it says. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Did you catch that? He entrusted it to him. It says, I am expecting you to do something with what I am giving to you. I am not giving you to be a steward, right? You are taking care of this. That, that is the main point of the parable. And this is not the only place in scripture where he tells us this. There's a very similar parable called the parable of the Minas. We had the parable of the shrewd manager. We had the parable of the barns. There's multiple places where Jesus tells us the exact same thing. Where he says, I am going to be entrusting to you different kinds of resources and I expect you to steward them well. Now, now what kind of resources are we talking about? Well, we can clearly talk about money, but it's also more than money. We're talking about your time. We're talking about your, uh, your abilities, your talents. 
Uh, we're, we're talking about your influence. We're talking about your power. We're talking about your, the opportunities you have in life. We're talking about the family that God gives to you, the health that God gives you, the time of your life. We don't earn that, but God gives that to us. These are all resources at our disposal that God just gives to us graciously. And he says, I expect you to steward what I have given to you. And even more than that, please recognize God is under zero obligation to do this. He doesn't have to do this at all. Last week we learned that God wants us to give back 10% to him, that first fruits. But we also learned that it's all his. He has a right to all of it. But instead he says, no, bring the first fruits back to me. But that other 90%, I'm just gonna entrust to you because I want you to join me in what I'm doing. What an amazing invitation. And you say, Adam, well, how do you know that's true in my life? Adam, that might be true for you. You're a pastor. Maybe that's what he's doing in your life. No, that's what he's doing in everyone's life. Because for all of his people, he says, I have entrusted these resources to you and I want you to join me in what I'm doing. Go back to the very beginning. Go back to Adam and Eve. What does God do in the very beginning? He creates the garden and he just gives the planet to Adam and Eve. One of the very first things he, he asked Adam to do, he says, Adam, I want you to name all the animals. Why? You think the Lord ran out of ideas? You think he was just like, I don't know, I'm tired, you do it. You think, he did, he, you think Adam had better ideas? Seriously, I can imagine the Lord going, platypus, you're going with platypus? All right, platypus, right? This is what you're coming up with. The Lord understands better. Nope, Adam, I want you to do it. What's he doing? He is entrusting this to them. What does he say to Adam and Eve? Tend the garden. Take care of Eden. I, I want you to be the one to tend it. He's got legions of angels at his disposal. I guarantee at least two of them got a green thumb if they have thumbs. I don't know. Listen, some angel could have done this. No, I'm gonna give this to Adam and Eve. Why? I want you to join me in my work. I want you to do what I am doing. I am inviting you into the family business. You are not simply a worker. I am entrusting this to you. I am inviting you to join me in my work. So I'm gonna give you these resources to steward, to be a part of what I am doing. This is what the Lord is inviting to us. And so what does that mean when it comes to our money? When it comes to our money, what, what does that mean? It means that it's not just that first 10% that he wants. He still owns the 90%. He's just giving it back to us and saying, what do you wanna do? With that other 90% that we get to keep, he says, hey, hey what, how do you wanna steward this? How do you want to use it? How, how do you want to use this to build the kingdom? How do you want to use this? I am entrusting this to you. I'm going to take care of you. He's already proven that. But, but he says, I'm giving the rest of it to you because I'm involving you in my work. I want you to be a part of my work. It's not just about the 10%, it's about the 90 as well. But then what about your life? Because remember, it's not just our money, it's also our Time. It's our abilities. It's our influence. It's our opportunities. It's, it's all those things that the Lord gives to us. He's saying, how are you going to steward what you have to build the kingdom? Some of us might say, yeah, but Adam, that's not for me. That's for folks who have more money. That's for folks who have more influence. That's for folks who, who have more opportunity. They have big opportunities. Adam, I just don't have all those kind of opportunities. I don't have that kind of uh, opportunity myself. I, I don't, actually don't think that's true. Did you notice what happened with the first two servants? The first guy gets two talents. Oh, the first guy gets five talents. Second guy gets two talents. They both double it, right? 
So the guy who had five talents makes 10. The guy who had second talent, who had two talents, makes four. Now, I don't, I don't know really great at math, but $10 million seems like a whole lot more than $4 million, doesn't it? There seems like a very big difference between $10 million and $4 million, and yet the Lord gives them the exact same reward. Did you catch that? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Exact same response, even though they had differing amounts that they gave. It's not about how much is in your bank account. It's not about how much opportunity you have. His question is not about quantity. His question is about quality. With whatever he has given us, what are we doing with it? With whatever opportunity we have, what are we doing with it? The Lord's not going to grade you based just on a dollar figure or amount or size of impact. He's going to say, I gave you X. What did you do with it? How did you steward what I gave to you? And he's not penalizing us because we might not have had an opportunity like somebody else. He says, no, what are you doing with what I have given to you? And when we steward well, here's another amazing thing. There are rewards. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. If you weren't here for us on Labor Day, go back on the podcast. And we, we looked at this in depth. It's an interesting concept you may not have really grappled with before, before. But there are rewards to stewardship. God doesn't just say, hey, do this in obedience to me. He absolutely can. But he doesn't. He says, no, I want to give rewards for good stewardship. What are those rewards? Well, there's a couple different things. First off, the kingdom gets built. When the first two servants double their master's money, what are they doing? Well, they're doubling his wealth and they are doubling his influence. They're doubling his impact. They are helping the master to expand his business, to expand his reach, to expand his ability. So if this is the Lord entrusting things to us, what is happening when we are good stewards of what we have? We get to see the kingdom of God built. We see the kingdom of God growing. God's kingdom is, is honored not simply in heaven, but on earth as well. We see the kingdom of God expanding more and more people coming to faith in him, more and more people loving him, serving him, honoring him. We see the kingdom of God being built in this world in real time. That is a reward in and of itself. But then look at verse 21 and you see other rewards. The first one is affirmation, or the one after the kingdom is affirmation. The master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. He affirms him. He didn't say good, that's what you're supposed to do. Good, I guess that's good enough. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of us are longing to see the Lord and we are hoping, praying that this is the kind of affirmation that we will receive from our heavenly father. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Look, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you get to walk into heaven knowing that you are loved, you are accepted, you have eternal life, you will never be cast out. You and you have this not because you've earned it or because you're good enough, because, but none of us were good enough. None of us deserve it. By his grace, we are saved. But when you and I spend our lives in service to him, yes, there's an affirmation from the Lord. How many of us are chasing after the affirmation of your parents? Your dad, your mom, a boss, your neighbors, your family, your spouse, your kids. You're just begging to have this affirmation. Do we even care that the Lord is offering this as a reward? I want to affirm you 
in what you've done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. The next reward is authority. Look at the next phrase that he says. He says, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. This was not just a test. He just says, listen, this was a test in a, a certain sense, but, but it's to give you even more. You have now proven yourself faithful. And if you're faithful in a small thing, then you'll be faithful in larger things as well. If you can't be faithful in the small thing I've given you, well, then I can't entrust to you even more responsibility. So there's an authority that comes as well. We don't fully know how all that gets fleshed out in the kingdom, but he says, I absolutely am gonna give you this authority, this responsibility. You have proven yourself faithful. And so I wanna give you even more of that responsibility. So there's affirmation, there's authority. Thirdly, we find joy. Look at the next phrase. It says, enter into the joy of your master. Look, this is a business transaction. The master can come in, look at his servant, say, show me the report. What you got? You did good. Shake hands, take your cut, and leave. He has every right to do that. And that would have been fine. And that is not what the master does. The master is overjoyed. He doesn't take his cut and leaves. He throws his arms around the servant and says, man, come enter into my joy. This is not some dispassionate transaction. He says, no, you're a part of the family business. When I succeed, you succeed. Don't you understand? I want you to enjoy all that I enjoy. I want you to share in this. You have a part to play. This is yours as well as mine because I have adopted you because you're a part of my family. The joy of the master gets to be experienced by all faithful servants. We get to enjoy it. We don't want somebody to check a box or just do our obedience. No, we get to enjoy the Lord. And then finally, there are true riches. Look down at verse 28. Look what he says at the end of the parable. Verse 28 says this. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. Now, this is interesting and you might miss it because at that point in the parable, we're really talking about the third servant and he's getting what he has taken away. But notice where that extra talent goes. It goes to the one who has 10 talents. Well, here's the thing. He doesn't have 10 talents. That first five talents was a gift. It's not his. He was just stewarding the master's talents. The profit he makes, also not his. It's coming from the master's money. It all belongs to the master. But at the end, here's what the master says. No, it's your ta 10 talents now. No, I'm giving it to you. P.S. This other guy who can't use it, take his. Give it to him. You got 11 now. How about that? I'll give you more. He just gives it to us. There are true spiritual riches that the Lord wants to give to us. Again, we don't understand the fullness of all these things, but Jesus says, don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He says these treasures are worth it. They're absolutely real treasures to be had and Jesus is offering them to us. It's the question we need to be asking ourselves is, is, how are we stewarding what God has given to us? How are we stewarding the money, the resources, the abilities, the opportunities? How are we stewarding what God has given to us? There's two different ways you can handle that. There's bad stewardship and there is good stewardship. So let's look at three ways that we, we might be bad stewards and let's instead really chase after three ways we might be good stewards. What does bad stewardship look like? Well, the, the first way that we might have poor stewardship is just to ignore this opportunity. 
You just ignore it. This is what the third servant does. The third servant looks at it and just says, I, I don't, I'm not in. I don't, I don't want a real part of that. So what he does is he takes the talent and he just buries it. Now what he says is, hey, I was scared of losing it. I was scared of failing and I didn't want to make you mad. And so I just buried it and that's good, right? He's claiming that fear was his reason. The master replies and says, you're wicked and you're lazy. You're a wicked, slothful servant. He pokes right through that fear wasn't really the thing. Here's what this guy did. He didn't think through where he could put it. He didn't think through how he could put it in the bank and make some interest. He literally just buried it. What he's doing is this, is saying, I don't care about this opportunity. You just handed me a million dollars. I don't care to do anything. I'll hand it back to you. You haven't lost a penny. We're all good, right? You ignore the opportunity. That is unbelievably disrespectful to the master, is it not? I don't even ever thought about this, but, uh, but what's, the, um, what's the opposite of love? When we think about love, what's the opposite of love? The opposite of love is, right, you, you would normally assume that it's hate. I actually don't think that the opposite of love is hate. To hate someone, you actually have to care about them a little. You ever thought about that? You have to care what they say. You have to care what they think. You have to care about them at some level to hate them. Do you know what's worse than hate? Indifference. Because when you're indifferent, This person doesn't even show up on your radar. You don't care about them enough to even think about them. You don't care if they're good, bad, ugly, alive, or dead. You just don't care. You don't think about them at all. That's worse than hate. That's complete and total indifference. Okay, that's what the third servant does. He says, I don't care. I don't care about it. I'm just, whatever, fine. I'm going to go do my life, but whatever, fine. I'm going to go do my thing. And if we're here today and we say, look at him, I'm, I'm, I, I gave the 10%, maybe, kind of, sort of, I'm thinking about it. But, but I want to do whatever I want with my life. It's mine, leave me alone, off my back. Just let me go live my life. Why is God always on me? I just want to go live my life. Do you see what's happening? You're ignoring this opportunity. You're ignoring what God has given to us to steward, this invitation to join him in his work, to participate in what he's doing, to be affirmed. We're just ignoring it. We just basically say, I don't care. Okay, that's terrifying. It's terrible stewardship because we're just ignoring this opportunity. Here's the second way we might exhibit poor stewardship. Uh, We might hoard it. We might hoard it. Look, if each of us was handed a few million dollars today, that'd be a temptation, would it not? And look, that's a temptation for everybody. Let me show you a different parable. This is in Luke chapter 12. Uh, Notice what it says here. Jesus says this. He says, And Jesus told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? I got nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God says to him, Fool, This night, your soul is required of you. And these things you've prepared, who's they going to be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Jesus talked about this a lot. This landowner is short-sighted. When he gets a blessing, he assumes that the blessing is for him and him alone. He's been doing well. He assumes God must love me. I am succeeding. God must love me. Look at all the things I get. And so if I get more things, it's all for me, right? 
I, I get to keep it all. Any new blessing must be just for me. And so he says, instead of giving more away, I'm amply supplied. No, I gotta have bigger barns. I can have more stuff for all my stuff. This is incredibly short-sighted and also selfish because he doesn't recognize that his life is in the hands of God and God can call for that life at any point possible. He says, man, you've been building all these bigger barns and somebody else will enjoy it. You'll taste none of it because you laid up treasures for yourself and you weren't rich towards the Lord. And when you and I are blessed, we need to think that through. When we get a blessing, do we assume the blessing's all just for us? The blessing's all just for us? Or do we think, man, God's given me a blessing so that I can be a blessing? God's blessed me so I can bless others. Is this our attitude? Or, or, or do we instead just hoard it? We just keep it all for ourselves. We assume that I should have more, 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 more. And that's better instead of pouring out that blessing on other people. This is where, by the way, we need to be aware of money. Uh, money by itself is not evil, um, but it is incredibly powerful. And if you do not respect it, it can destroy you. Money is like a power tool. It's not just like a hammer. It's like a table saw. And if you ignore safety protocol with a table saw, you will lose your hand. Now, it's an amazing tool. You can do all kinds of things with it. You can build all kinds of incredible things with it. But if you don't know how to properly use it or if you do not respect what is happening, it can be incredibly dangerous. Let none of us assume that money doesn't influence us because money absolutely can corrupt us. Every single one of us. You gotta be aware of this. It's a temptation to say, oh, I could have more. Oh, I could have more. Oh, I could have more. And we end up hoarding these blessings instead of pouring out these blessings. But here's the third thing. We can exhibit poor stewardship by wasting it. What happens when God gives us opportunities and we just squander them? We just waste them. We're building things, but we're not building anything that really matters. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. Uh, and notice what it says here. This is Paul talking. He says, Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, so you've got a lot of different building materials there, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Look, right now we're all building, but what are we building? What are we building in our relationships? What are we building with our resources? What are we building with our opportunities? What are we building? Because at some point, fire comes through and destroys all of it, and the only thing that's left is the kingdom. The only thing that's left is the Lord and his people. Will, will the things that we get, we're building stand? Or will we find that we have been spending a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of energy on things that really have no eternal return? They might have a temporal return or a personal return, but they don't have an eternal return. And so we're working, we're building. We're just not building things that have an eternal value. We need to think that through if we are stewarding the resources that God has given us. But let's look at good stewardship. What then would be the opposite of that? How can we be a good steward? How can we be like these first two, uh, these two servants who, who double what was given to them? There's three things we can do. The first thing we can do is we can sow to the Spirit. We can sow to the Spirit. Look at Galatians chapter 6. And that's what it says here. 
Uh, Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let's not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. Uh, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Go back to the first slide. All right, so notice here, this is a good hinge verse for us because he talks about uh, bad stewardship, sowing to the flesh. But he says, but here's the opposite. You can sow to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is in you, when we respond to the Spirit, when we live in the Spirit, when we are led by the Spirit, when we walk by the Spirit, all these are things right here in Galatians chapter 5 and 6. When we're walking in the Spirit, when we sow to Him, there is a crop of eternal life. There's a crop of eternal rewards. There's a a crop of things that, that last forever. And so you say, you say, Adam, I'm nervous about that. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what it looks like. Walk in the Spirit. Trust him, surrender him. We sang earlier, I surrender all. Do we still mean it? We, we've meant it at different times in our life, but do we still mean it? With the new blessings, with the new opportunities, do we still mean it to say, God, I still surrender all? And so, God, you take it, and I want to build things that will, that will honor you, that will glorify you, that will expand your kingdom. I want to sow to the Spirit in all that I do. Please don't lock up the Lord over here in the advice column. He just tells me how to be good or bad, and then there's my life, right? There's the real things that I do. No, he owns all of it, including us. Therefore, I want to sow to the Spirit in all things that I do. Here's the second thing we can do. We can expand the kingdom, We can expand the kingdom. If we want to be good stewards, we can expand the kingdom of God. Look, we we, we are in a very blessed congregation. We absolutely are, but every single one of us has been given a treasure. Every single one of us has been given something of unparalleled value. You and I have been given the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the midst of a dark and depraved world, we have the hope of life in Jesus Christ. He's given it to us. He's not, Jesus is not here in the flesh. He says, no, I'm going to live in every single believer. I'm going to give you the gospel that you might go make disciples of all nations. And so we get an opportunity to build the kingdom. We get the opportunity to share the gospel with our friends, with our neighbors. We, we get the opportunity to love people with our, our actions. We get to, to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which begs the question, man, what are you building with your resources, your time, your abilities what are you building? We saw last week with Jim and Linda Jones who just said, I want to face childhood hunger and started by feeding kids with a couple bags from the back of their car and now it's going to be 10,000 people a month right here in our state. The Lord just blessed that as they just said, hey, what, what can we do? What, what has God gifted you to do? What new ministries need to get birth right here at Double Oak? So many of you guys are new. We don't even know what you can do yet. Why did God bring you here? What new things can we do? To, to partner with existing organizations or say, God, you, you've given me this ability. What can we do to build the kingdom of God in so many different ways? We get to expand the kingdom. We go from two to four. We go from five to 10. What has God given you to say, hey, man, I want to see the Lord continue to bless. I want to build his kingdom. Here's the third thing we can do to show good stewardship. We can give generously. We can give generously. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. He says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now look, that's not health and wealth. This is the Abraham principle. 
All right, so early on, the Lord says to Abraham, says, I'm gonna bless you that you might be a blessing to the entire world. He's talking about the gospel. Through him will come the kingdom of God. Through him comes Jesus Christ. But now he's saying to the Corinthians who now have the, the spirit, he says, listen, I'm gonna be generous to you so that you can then be generous to others. I want to give to you so that you can generously give to others. And this leads to thanksgiving of God. People look to the Lord and say, God, look at what you have done. Look at how you have provided. Look at what you have done. More people glorify God when we live generously, which is why we want to be generous. It's why we want to look for ways to be generous. P.S., this is why we're giving out extra funds before Give United even begins. We started last week. We did it again this week. Many of you guys know we paid off our debt on this building back early in the spring. Guess what that means? Without a mortgage, we get to be more generous. So before United, Give United kicks in, we're going to give away $80,000 extra before we even do it just this month alone because the Lord has blessed us and we get to be generous. I got more news. This past week, Save Life Shelby, remember they opened up a new place right over here? Uh, they had their annual banquet this past week and they also applied for Give United funds. Uh, and so James Spann and Brian Cornelius were there talking uh, and we told them too, we're gonna give them some extra funds. They got $10,000 instead of $5,000. Here's their surprised face. Um, uh, when we handed them a check too. That means that this week we've handed out an extra $25,000 to different organizations so we have more to give away. That's exciting, it is. I want you to see that principle in action. When God blesses, we get to be generous. That's how it's supposed to work. Now, here's the thing. I said earlier that the median household income in Shelby County is $82,000. I think I may have misspoke. The median household income for the 35242 area code is $82,000. It's slightly less for all of the county. I don't think every zip code in America can say that. Not every zip code in America says the median household income is $82,000. That's just not true. But it is for us. So what are we going to do with it? We have been blessed so we can be a blessing. How are we being generous with what the Lord has blessed us with? This is how we show good stewardship. And the Lord says, if you've been faithful and little, I'm going to give you more. Why? Because now you've proven yourself trustworthy to be more generous with it. And you just see that blessing continues, that positive feedback loop we talked about earlier. But look, this is not just true for us as individuals. This is true for us as a church. Because we have an opportunity as Double Oak Community Church, and specifically right here at Mount Laurel, God put us here right at 41 so that we could share the gospel with all of these people. And more people keep coming. Some of you weren't living here a few years ago. Man, I mentioned that earlier. You, you moved here from some other area. They keep building more houses. I can't tell them to stop. They just keep building more. There's more people coming. And we get the opportunity. The Lord says, hey, I'm gonna put you here in this spot to share the gospel. I've said this before. We need to say it again. There are 120,000 lost people in Shelby County, Alabama. For all of those people to come to faith, we would need 120 churches of this campus's size to minister to all those people. 120! That's an incredible opportunity. And the Lord has put us here to share the gospel, to love people in Jesus' name, because we have neighbors who are broken, who are hurting, who are addicted, who are afflicted, who are lonely, who are depressed, who are grieving, who are confused, 
who are angry. And the Lord Jesus Christ has given us hope in his son to be able to tell all of those people, hey, we are not perfect, but we know a God who is. And that God loves people who don't deserve it. That God loves people even though they're sinful like us. That Savior can forgive you. He already has. And he's offering you eternal life. Come surrender all to him like we have. Come find hope in him. Be transformed. Join him in what he is doing. We get the incredible privilege of sharing that with the world around us right here. So the question isn't just for you as an individual or for you as a household. It's for us as a church. What are we going to do? with the incredible opportunities that God has put in front of us. May we be good stewards. So do this for me. Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, just ask yourself that question. Okay, so am I a good steward of what I have? And look, that's, that can be a, a painful co- question to ask. And you might have answered it before. It's one of those questions we have to ask periodically because things change. You get new blessings, new opportunities that maybe you didn't know about or weren't considering before, and now they're all in front of you. How is the Lord wanting us to steward those today? With whatever you have, don't compare yourself to other people. Don't be envious of what other people have. What are you doing with what you got? Let's just be good stewards of what we have and see what he will do. The Lord says, enter into the joy of your master. And so Heavenly Father, help us today. God, you didn't have to really invite us to do any of this. You really could do all this better than us. Like so much better than us. And yet you really do invite us to join you. And so thank you for that. God, would you help us to steward these things well? Would you help us to take advantage of the opportunities in front of us? And Father, we don't, we're not looking for our claim. We want your name to be lifted up. We want you to be glorified. We want more and more people to know you. And so Father, show us how to sow to your spirit to live in you, to to be led by you. And and Father, all we have is yours. We surrender it all to you. Would you give us eyes, hearts, minds to see those opportunities and the courage and faith to trust you, knowing that you've always taken care of us and you always will. But Lord, we love you enough. We, we, We are excited enough, God. We want to serve you. And if any of us find ourselves in a place where that's a struggle, Father, work on our hearts. Help us. We open ourselves before you and say, remind me again, Father, that all I have is yours, that you are a good Father who provides, that you are inviting us to join you in your work. May we all join together in it. In your name we pray, amen. Stand up if you will. Let's sing this hymn in response to the Lord. I'll be here if you want somebody to pray for you. You can come to these altars and pray as well. Let's respond to the Lord this morning.